Hello, you're listening to Wait, How Do You Spell That? A Rare Disease Podcast. My name is Colby, and I'm the content manager here at PatientWorthy. I'm happy to say that today we've got a very special guest on the show. Karina Sturm is a writer, filmmaker, and journalist covering the topics of rare disease and disability. She was an early contributor to Patient Worthy as well, so we're very happy to have her on the podcast today. Karina, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me here today. Uh, no problem. We're very happy to have you on. And uh, Karina, to start with, uh, you've been a journalist for nearly a decade now. I, I know, like many writers, that was not your first profession. Uh, in journalism, you often end up wearing multiple hats over the course of your career. Uh, can you share with us a little about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually, I didn't even start out as a journalist. So I was a medical assistant at first, and then I finished another degree as a lab technician. So I worked in a research lab as a research associate in Germany, but then I only worked there for like a year or so because I got really, really ill in 2010. And then I just had to quit my job at some point because I just couldn't do any kind of like physical work anymore. And this like super long journey to getting diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome began. So it took me four years until I actually got my diagnosis. And during this time, you know, everything changed. I had to give up my apartment, which was like the first time I actually moved out and kind of started a life, right? And then it was all gone. Um, I've always written diary since I've been a child basically and this kind of helped me cope with this like very long and complicated journey to my diagnosis and then when I actually got diagnosed in 2014 I started to write about my experiences just like for me to kind of like deal with all the trauma that comes along uh, with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and this developed further and I began to write in a blog. It was a German blog at first. It just shared my own experience with EDS and chronic illness and being a young woman with an invisible condition. And then I began to write about medicine and science and like small articles about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and all the comorbid conditions. And just used my medical background and my science background and combined this with my personal experience. And this is kind of how I stumbled into journalism. It was basically by accident. <laughs> so the next uh, logical step was to work um, as a journalist. And then in 2019, found this like amazing program in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. And I started to study journalism there. And yeah, now I'm a freelance journalist, blogger, filmmaker, kind of, <laughs> um, that writes for German and English publications. Uh, and one of the first articles you wrote for Patient Worthy was called 10 Things EDS Has Taught Me, uh, writing about your experiences living with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, uh, as you mentioned before. Uh, judging by readership numbers, I know that article in particular on our site has helped many people over the years. But for listeners who may not be familiar with the condition, can you give us an introduction to EDS? Sure. Um, I try to make this very short because Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or the Ehlers-Danlos syndromes are very complicated. Mm -hmm. um, so the Ehlers-Danlos syndromes are a group of genetic connective tissue disorders. So connective tissue is pretty much everywhere in the body. So EDS can and very often does affect pretty much your whole body. 
And there are different types of EDS, but all of them lead to some sort of hypermobility of your joints and some skin involvement and many, many more symptoms besides that. And um, EDS also rarely comes alone. So it can cause lots of so-called comorbid conditions, which are conditions that somehow come alongside with EDS. There are conditions called uh, such as mast cell activation syndrome, dysautonomia, uh, craniocervical instability, and like really pages full of more of those. <laughs> so EDS is very complex and it's a multisystemic condition and all these other conditions that can come alongside with EDS are multisystemic as well. Uh, it's a spectrum, right? So people can be mildly affected, but then other people might be very severely even life-threatening with life-threatening symptoms. So there can be anything in between. And you touched on uh, just a second ago, one thing you've emphasized when discussing disease and disability is how certain conditions can be uh, invisible in nature and how society at large tends to react to that. Can you expand a little on that topic? So EDS is like many other chronic conditions invisible. So it means that many of the symptoms cannot be seen from the outside and that can cause and often does cause many problems. Many people like me, for example, look totally healthy, right? So if you see me, I look like a, a young, healthy woman. Even if I wear my braces, I still don't really look sick for most people. And so people that don't have any experience with chronic illness or disability, they have this idea of illness or disability. Um, so if a person is sick, it must be something you can see, right? They don't really understand that the person that might be standing in front of them is in severe pain, but still smiles and talks with them like nothing is wrong with them. And overall, people with EDS are very, very good at hiding their symptoms and just like nobody actually knows that anything is wrong with you. And then when you tell people that you are very ill, they often assume it can't be true since they didn't notice anything wrong with you. And then this goes further, um, like people with many chronic conditions get verbally attacked for using a disability parking spot, for example, you know, if they live with an invisible condition and then they get out of the car and they walk, then they get attacked by other people because apparently you can't be disabled if you're able to walk. We get called fakers by the people around us, even by loved ones sometimes. So while we often do our best to fake being well, so that we can just have a normal day outside like everyone else, we have our days ruined by the people around us judging us. And that happens a lot. I mean, I had many, many experiences where people called me lazy or crazy or faking being ill. That's sometimes more painful than my actual physical pain. So I hope by speaking about invisible conditions, I will educate those people that don't understand anything about chronic illness and kind of create more empathy for us. Yes. And as part of your master's degree, uh, you produced a documentary in 2019 called We Are Visible. Uh, the film interviews people with disabilities across multiple countries and explores this theme of how those with chronic conditions are often made to feel invisible by society, or they don't quite fit into that box of what society has deemed to be you know, acceptably disabled. Could you tell us more about that film and what message you were hoping viewers would take away from it? 
So Via Visible was actually my master's thesis or part of my master's thesis. Um, it was supposed to be a short film, <laughs> but then that didn't really work out because how, how can you show a complex condition like EDS in just like 20 minutes? It's just not possible. Back then, I never filmed before. I never held a camera in my hand. But then when I heard that we could do a film for our master's thesis, it was just obvious what I had to do. It was like the obvious choice. So I traveled all across the world um, to portray people in six different countries. Um, so I went to Belgium, the Netherlands, the UK, the US, uh, Germany, and Malta. And I just filmed these amazing people and families with EDS. And it kind of became the most important project that I had done so far. The message that I was hoping people would take away from it was for once, I just wanted to make as visible. I wanted other people to see what EDS really is like. Obviously, these are single stories, right? So it, I cannot represent every person with EDS, but it was a start. It was the first feature-length film about EDS. I felt like this could at least get the ball rolling. And secondly, I wanted for people with EDS to feel less alone, to feel like there are so many others out there that understand their struggles. And the last thing I wanted to achieve was I wanted to show how incredibly strong all of us are despite the small and big challenges we face every day. Um, it's been really amazing what all these people in the film went through, but even though their lives were incredibly tough, I mean, some of them, they were in hospitals for acute complications of EDS while we were filming and others had like huge flare ups of their symptoms. But besides all of these things, they always made sure I was fine first. Like they always thought about me first. Um, so it was a, a very, very moving experience and probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done, but also some of the best months of my life. Yeah, that sounds like a huge project to pull together. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Another common thread in your work is your advocacy for how people with disabilities are represented in media, uh, whether that be news or on movies and, and TV. Can you talk about some of the disparities in media for disabled people and why it is so important for people with illnesses and disabilities to see themselves represented in media? Um, so I started to learn more about disability representation overall throughout my master's thesis because I wanted to focus on how to improve representation of people with disabilities in media. So I kind of learned that firstly, there aren't many people with disabilities in the media, in shows, whether it's behind the camera or in front of the camera. It's kind of getting better now, but it's still not too great. I made a lot of mistakes myself when I started out as a journalist representing people with disabilities, especially when it comes to proper language, because I just didn't know enough about it. But like one big issue with representation in the media is that many journalists talk about people with disabilities, but they don't include them. So um, there is this phrase, I don't know if you've heard about that, it's um, nothing about us without us, which means that the media shouldn't talk about us, but with us. So that's um, one common issue. And the other one is that the media likes to use really harmful stereotypes. 
So it's often if they talk about someone with a chronic illness or a disability, it's either a victim or a hero narrative. Um, so people with chronic illnesses and disabilities are shown to suffer all day long. And suffer is a word that many of us don't really like because we just live our lives. We don't always suffer. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like their portrait, like disability or being disabled is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you, which reinforces this image of disability being something bad, something you need to fix. And that's not really how people in our community usually feel. And then there is this hero stereotype, which isn't really better. <laughs> it means like people with disabilities are often used as an inspiration, but not for achieving something great, just for existing with a disability. And that's called um, inspiration porn. <laughs> that's a, a phrase have, that's usually used. used I have heard use. that term before, yes. <laughs> of course you did. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's mostly used to tell non-disabled people that they should be grateful to not be disabled. Both of or all those stereotypes are really harmful for the community and they don't really help when it comes to inclusion. So I, what I try to do with my work is to give people with disability a voice and to actually include them in my reporting and ask them, you know, uh, do you want to be called a person with autism or an autistic person? You know, what language do you prefer? And just kind of include them in my work and avoid those stereotypes. Just ask them how they want to be represented. But then I still make mistakes and I still learn, but at least I kind of try. <laughs> One project that you're currently working on is writing for the newsletter of an organization called EDS Awareness. Uh, tell us about that organization and what the newsletter offers. Yeah, so um, that's kind of a new project and it's still in development. Um, so John, the CEO of EDS Awareness, asked me if I wanted to put together a monthly newsletter for him. And EDS Awareness is, is a great nonprofit in the US um, that focuses on providing webinars about really all topics around EDS. Um, so pretty much every expert that exists has given webinars for John and they are all free of charge. So it's a pretty great organization and um, they also helped me a lot with my film. They have done some screenings of my film online and just supported the whole project. And so, of course, I said yes when John asked me about the newsletter. The basic idea behind the newsletter was that we wanted to share work from all kinds of advocates, like EDS related, but also in the disability community overall. And then also some important research updates. And we wanted to connect people because we felt like all the voices are important and every advocate deserves a platform. And we just wanted to provide that platform. So every month we create this newsletter um, with links to blog posts and social media articles by and for people with EDS, but also other chronic illnesses and disabilities because we share a lot. It doesn't really matter which condition you have because there are so many experiences we all made. So it's supposed to be a community project where people can tell me what they want to read and also send me links to their work that we promote and so we can amplify all the voices and just raise more awareness this way. And can you give us a preview of any other projects that you're working on for the future? So currently I work on a lot of projects I can't really talk too much about yet, but so there is a book project in the works 
where I will provide more information about in winter. And then I am actually working on another big film project, even though I said I would never, ever do a film again, because it's just very exhausting and physically straining. Yeah, I, I got connected to some really amazing advocates um, all over the world. And they involved me in this um, film project that focuses on representing several people with mainly invisible conditions across the globe. And it's supposed to be another feature film. I will probably talk more about this in a couple of months. And then I'm working with uh, some German activists on a very important project that comes out in a couple of months as well. And I still write articles for US and German publications in general. And I also plan to finally start a German chronic illness podcast because there aren't super many in Germany. Uh, but so far, I just didn't really have the time to actually put some content up. <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> I, I understand. There's never enough hours in the day, is there? No, there is just not enough energy overall, <laughs> honestly, that's for all the things I want to do. That's true, too. Well, if someone is interested in your documentary or if they want to learn more about the work you're doing, where's the best place for them to do that? So I am pretty much everywhere. Uh, I have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, um, and my film is on Vimeo. And I also have a film website. It's called viavisiblefilm.com where people can click on the link and then they get to Vimeo. And then um, there is lots of information about all of my projects and my film on my journalistic website, which is karina-sturm.com. And then I also have a bilingual blog, so a German and English blog, which is called Holy Shit, I'm Sick, um, where people can find me. So uh, That's a great name. I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it, it's uh, some people really have an issue with it <laughs> and others like it. So, I mean, it, it kind of is the first thing that I thought when I got chronically ill. So that's why it's called that. Oh, always follow your gut. I, I think that's a fantastic name for a blog. Thank you. <laughs> well, Karina, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and learn more about the important work you're doing. And I know I speak for the whole patient-worthy team when I say we'd love to have you on the podcast again at some point in the future, maybe to talk about that film coming up. Yeah, thank you. That would be great. And if you'd like to learn more about Karina or watch her award-winning documentary, We Are Visible, you can find more information on her website at karina-sturm.com. And we'll also leave a link in the show notes for this episode so you can check that out on her website. And remember, you can always keep up with the latest in rare disease news by visiting patientworthy.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by searching for Patientworthy on those platforms. A quick shout out to those listeners who have been leaving reviews on their favorite podcasting platforms. It may seem like a small thing, but in reality, it really does go a long way toward helping us out. And finally, if you have any questions or comments about today's show, or if you have ideas for a future episode, you can always get in touch with me by sending an email to colby at patientworthy.com. That does it for today's episode. Thank you once again to Karina Sturm, and thank you for listening. 